I'm far from focused when you are near. A distracting tease you are for tempting me at all the wrong times. What? Now? Here? You and I? Though I am drawn to you, and there's no denying that. I would be a fool to deny this, to repress this. I'm drawn to you at the deepest level, somewhere too deep for words, somewhere deep enough for raw sensations. And all of my senses want to partake. Pleasure and excitement pulsate through me and my heart beats to keep up. My rational mind comes up to breathe and fear feels it has the floor. I'm not that experienced. Can I keep up? Will I be enough? What will others think of me, of us? Overthinking only squelches my desire and prolongs the blissful feeling of you. And oh, just to hold you, holding you alone would still the rush of my overthinking. I know this because, yeah, obviously I've thought about it. Not only have I thought about it, but I've wished for it. I've wished to touch you see what happens. I've held you in my mind and the results make me quiver. The way you make me feel things I've never felt. Moving, questioning, trusting, exploring, creating, releasing. Every inch of you fits as though it was made just for me. I'm unsure if I can control myself any longer. I'm impatient with what I want, and you wouldn't tease me unless your patience wasn't up either. I know that you want me to. I guess all that stands in our way now is a zipper. I pause and catch my breath. I've never been more ready. I unzip. I unzip my purse, and there you are, a pin. Today, we are going to dive into how your orgasms and your ability to be creative go hand in hand. Yep, you increase one and you simultaneously increase the other. You block one, you block the other. The power is taken away from you in one and you guessed it, the power is taken away from you in the other. This is a hard episode to, to do, to write, to prepare. Hopefully it won't be too hard to edit, but it sure is hard to present and produce. 
I actually, I am so nervous right now that I have nervous sweats. Have you ever had that? That's what I'm experiencing. But it had to be created. This episode had to be made because out of the readers of I Am My Own Sanctuary, How a Recovering Holy Roller Found Healing and Power, out of the readers of that that reached out, the number one topic that was shared on was the section over sex. Yep, my male reader friends reached out about recovering from porn addictions and how the book served them. And my female reader friends, they reached out to me about healing from wounds around sexual abuse. With this said, I have a strong feeling that there are other good little Christians out there or recovering holy rollers, if you will, or spiritually attuned go-getters that might be blocked in this area like I was for eons. And as the spiritually attuned go-getter that you are, we cannot let that happen. The world desperately needs you to stand in your power and share your gifts with the world as the co-creator that God made you to be. I had this nudge that you might not be aware of your incredible power, the incredible power within you, your courageous power to experience pleasure, and from this place of receiving, create and give beautiful things to the world from your amazing God-given gifts. Maybe you don't know yet because of the lies from religion around sex or because of past family pain around sexual abuse that your body is good and beautiful and that you were made to receive pleasure and to create beautiful things. Maybe you don't know yet that you can take back your power from others and love every single part of your being, your body, your essence. Maybe you think that orgasms are a super rare thing and it's okay that you don't have them all the time or at all. Maybe you would never even put orgasms in the department of self-care like I did for eons. Maybe you view orgasms like rare, like rare things, those rare moments when inspiration strikes and you feel creative enough to write, to create, to craft, to paint, to make music. I know so many clients that I visit with as a writing and marketing coach, and they tell me that, oh, I, I could never get my book done in six months because I only write when I feel creative. I only write when inspiration strikes. <laughs> and I started thinking after some healing that I've done over the past two and a half years, is that how your sex life is too? <laughs> Not that I would ever ask them that, but I, I'm, I am pretty sure there's a correlation there. There's a correlation there. We view them both as rare. I get you. I've been there. Allow me to explain how my blockage around my sexuality, my sexual energy took its toll in my life. At church, where I spent most of my life from age 12 to 32, as a staff member or an overly committed Christian teenager who had no life outside of the church, there was purity culture where only boys could masturbate and we girls needed to be like the Virgin Mary who was inseminated through the ear by God. This is a true old belief of the church that 
her vulva was in her vagina was too dirty and sinful. So God mustn't have inseminated her with his big penis through there. It had to be through the ear because the ear canal was cleaner than the vagina. Seriously, look it up. So in purity culture, we were taught that our bodies and sex and sexual thoughts and feelings were to be shamed greatly. Who knows? Maybe my religious leaders were coming from the same place as my family. Maybe at some point, purity culture came from a place of wanting to protect us. Then things just went downhill really, really fast. So from this place, I went to college to even, I, I obviously, <laughs> so from this place at college where I went, I was too afraid to even look or explore my vulva until, well, I was pregnant when I was 28. Yep, in college, I still thought that I could get pregnant from rubbing jeans with a guy. I thought that the semen would seep through our clothes or our pajama pants, seriously honest to God truth. Out of fear of repeating fast past family pain around sexual abuse, there was very little said about sex in my family. All the voices were trying to protect all of us from past pain. So it was, it wasn't spoken of often. I do have hilarious memories of two conversations, two or three with my mom about in middle school to never touch a boy's leg and things like just remember Maggie Lee what you do in private it makes people wonder what you do in public regarding PDA this was this was pretty good advice for for middle schoolers to protect young girls and um, protect young boys reputations and girls reputations totally get it she also told me some great advice when I was a junior in high school and I was in my first serious dating relationship. And she told me to talk honestly with him and to create our own boundaries as a couple. You two get to figure it out together, she said. There is a difference between just having sex and making love. And I want you to create a life where you have the latter. Partner this with my advice from my second mom and my late aunt Nana, who was offering me condoms. <laughs> while also being so confused about my purity ring and the concept of these when I was 16. I was so thankful for both their messages because both of their words were helpful, healthy, and good. And my aunt only offered me condoms one time when I was sharing with her about boundaries and dating and what that looks like and what I was feeling and whatnot. And it was always in a gentle, I'm here to help kind of way. This is the truth about that. You've been told this, that's not true kind of way about sex and the body. So those, those moments were rare. I have like three or four memories of those, but they were there. So this is what I had going on in my teen and early 20s and childhood, I guess, yeah, was I had silence most of the time from my family and cover cover up your body and that was coming from wounds and scars of sexual past pain of sexual abuse and then there was purity culture where it was 
guilt driven and shame driven. And it was, it was all about, Hey, that thing your family is silent about for good reason. That thing it's bad and shameful and you shouldn't feel those things and never touch your vulva, never look at your vulva. Don't express your love to your high school boyfriend in that way. That's guilt. You should feel guilty for that. So those were the two messages. So, and I should also add that with the silence of my home, there were the rare moments where it was talked about between my mom and my aunt and I in the way that it was. But did you notice that when I shared their advice, it involved a partner? All of their advice was around me talking and enjoying sexual pleasure with a partner. Now, in Nana's defense, she brought up masturbation once when I was in my early 20s as a joke. Something about putting Rob Thomas in the spank bank. <laughs> and I didn't know what that meant <laughs> in my 20s. And the judgmental, pharisaic stare I gave her corrected her immediately that I thought that was an unholy comment to make. I don't know how she put up with me in so many years. I was such a Pharisee. I would get so judgy, super judgy. And me from two years ago would never believe that I was having this moment with you over this topic right now. I used to be so naive, so naive about sexuality and our bodies, even and like most of our childhood wounds or our fears that our families pass down to us. Thanks, family systems or epigenetics, whatever word you want to use there. But it's true. Our families pass on fears. And then when we become parents, all these fears and wounds that we thought we healed, they come back. And we realize, oh, I thought I healed you. But it turns out that I just healed a layer of you. And there's another layer that I get to heal now. It's so, I, I can't believe how naive I used to be. We have this amazing program in our, where I live called Parents as First Teachers. I'm sure you have it, you might have it too. And these are parenting educators and consultants that come to your house once a month from birth to six years old. And they help you parent and they, they calm your fears. They celebrate milestones. I can't advocate for Parents as First Teachers enough. If they're in your area, get them on your parenting team now. It takes a village and they're like the president of the village, in my opinion the mayor of the village, if you will. I'll never forget one time they, they passed me this piece of paper about parenting tips and whatnot. And, um, and it talked about that um, if, if a child is exploring his or her um, penis or vulva, like body discovery, self-discovery, body image, be po body positive. And they said, just redirect the child to a private room and teach your child that that is theirs and um, only theirs and only they can enjoy it and um, redirect, redirect them to be in a private room and, and tell them that that's something we only do when we're alone. And I remember I was so shocked. I think my daughter was, this was like four years ago. And the look on my face showed the parents' first teacher educator that I was shocked. So she, of course, and at that time I worked in a church, so maybe she was like, oh gosh, she's a holy roller, which I was. So she said, or, or whatever your religious beliefs teach you about that. And she was a religious person herself. And this moment was so healing for me because I thought, oh my God, like, I wish I would have been told that, that this is mine. 
that this is my pleasure. This is my body. This is, and to be told that as like a two or three-year-old, whoa, like so healing. And it's, it's amazing as parents, how we have these moments with our kids that we we're healed and not living vicariously through them, but messages come to us that as they're, as teachers are teaching them, it's, it's, um, it reminds me of another ridiculous moment where before this moment with parents first teachers, um, Henley, my, my daughter, obviously, um, she was in the bathtub and, and she, she, um, was, she touched, she touched herself and, and um, she said, mom, what is this? And I, I told her what it was. And I took my therapist friend advice, told her the exact terminology. I wasn't I, like at first I was like front bottom, <laughs> back bottom. But then I thought, you know what? I, I need to tell her the right, the anatomically correct words because my therapist friend said so, and that's healthy and I want to be healthy. So I said, that's called your vulva. And she was like, oh, okay. And uh, then it, I had a little bit of nervousness and I told Garrett, like, I don't know, like, is that okay? And then my husband looked right at me and he said, Meg, I don't want her and you don't want her to be afraid of her body like you were. So you did, you did a great job. So that's, that's, that's the person that's visiting with you right now is that what I'm sharing with you now has come from a long, come a long way. And these epiphanies that I'm going to share with you about getting unblocked creatively and sexually they've come to me the past two years and I'm going to tell you how I got there and how they can help you as well and I also want to share you where I've come from because I feel that you might be exactly where I was right now yeah now back to the messages around sexuality from my childhood So overall, the two messages that I was hearing was sexuality and your vulva and your breast. Which, by the way, breast, wear sports bras and scarves to hide your womanly curves as much as possible was a message I received from the church as one who preached from the age of 13 to 32 are bad and shameful. Yep, vulvas, breast, sexuality, bad. Penis is bad. Or... I was receiving messages that they were only good if sexual pleasure was experienced with someone who you were committed to. So really, somewhat empowering and all somewhat coming from good places, from mentors and families that loved me, for the most part. There are a few whack jobs in the church world, without a shadow of a doubt, totally. But mostly, I was, um, I, I think a lot of the voices I was hearing, those perspectives were coming from good places of protecting, good places of past wounds, good, good places. But, and I have to say, those messages might very well did serve me at some time and did protect me. And I have a feeling that the messages you're carrying about sexuality, they might have served you at one season, but they don't serve you anymore. They're not going to take you where you want to go. They're not going to help you be the person that you were made to be to expand into that person. And there's also a chance those messages about sexuality never served you. And it's time to rewrite those messages. Because even my messages that might have served me and protected me and and might have even attracted well-respected guys that I dated, 
because while I do have some wounds around physical abuse, I, as I'll share later, I thankfully dated and experienced pleasure with guys, men, what have you, that were caring, respective, and kind. So I don't have those wounds around those, but I do have other wounds that we'll get to in a minute. So these messages that I was receiving, they weren't getting to the whole truth. The whole truth that my sexual pleasure, how I received it, how I preferred to feel it, was mine, all mine. And really, I didn't need anyone's else's, anyone else's permission or helping hand. Pun, in, pun intended, dear listener, emphasis on the word hand here, because I was one of those good little Christian girls that while my husband was my first time to have sex three weeks before my wedding, read I Am My Own Sanctuary for the whole insane story of that, I had lots of orgasms before that moment. Not for myself, of course, because that would be wrong, dirty, unholy, and sinful to explore my body on my own. Yep, lots of guilt-ridden handies and a few times of receiving oral from a guy in my early 20s. But I never returned the favor, so what a champ, right, that he was. From the well-respected and kind guys that I dated in my tween, te teens and 20s. So yeah, lots of guilt-ridden handies. And yes, that does feel very awkward to say. And it kind of reminds me of that time on Good Morning America when the mom on the Brady Bunch, she, she was on and she basically told how she got crabs one time from, from another amazingly famous star from that time period. And I was sitting there watching her thinking, what are you doing, you buffoon, sharing that? Like, what are you, you're not, like, it wasn't teaching anything. So I thought about that and I said, do I, do I share my sexual journey as a repressed holy roller? about guilt-ridden handies. Do I share that? And I went back and forth for months about even doing this episode. I, like, I thought, I don't want to be a show that's just for shock value or just that says things for the shock factor. That's not serving anyone and that's not nourishing and that's not sustenance for people, for you. But then I thought, this is a teaching tool. This part of my story might help others. And there's a lesson attached to it. The lesson is this. You're like, get to the point, Meg. We're 15 minutes into this thing. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, we're 23 minutes. <laughs> we're getting to the point. We're getting there. This is the lesson. While I was thankful, as I reflect back on my dating days and the guys that were so respectful of me and the blue balls that I left them with many times... <laughs> because I wouldn't go all the way. We had a blast expressing our care for each other. No regrets, not even one letter. As I shared before, I don't regret, I don't regret waiting to go all the way with my husband, but I re definitely regret my reason for waiting, 100%. And I hated the way that I viewed my sexual pleasure as a, as a young person. As I recently shared with my husband, this year, friend, in this shitty 2020 year, 
I recently shared with my husband that it's very sad as I look back that, and I don't know who gets the blame, me, my upbringing, the church, probably all of us all together, to be honest, but it's very sad that I skewed their messages potentially, but I don't think I did. I think this is what we almost teach explicitly in the church, almost and explicitly in the same sentence. That's something. <laughs> we, we teach that it was okay for me to let these men explore my body, but not me. It was okay for them to have access to my vulva and my breast, but not me. And I never gave myself that permission. And then, once again, this has been the past two years. I am a year older than Jesus. And I am just now realizing this. Just now realizing this. While it was within safe, loving, consensual dating relationships, I was still letting these guys call the shots on my orgasms, on my pleasure. I was still waiting on their permission for my pleasure. I was still not standing in my power as one who creates and receives pleasure. In fact, to be honest, I was afraid to own my power of my sexuality, to own the pleasure of my power. I'm going to read that again to make sure it makes sense. I was afraid to own my power of my sexuality. I was afraid to own the pleasure of my power. And then two years ago, and about six months ago, two years and six months ago, after my spiritual awakening began, I discovered chakras and I dove so deep into them and everything changed. Now, we'll just brush the surface today and only focus on one of the seven chakras because there you will find the power to unlock both your creative power and your sexual power. Before we go any further, I must pause and acknowledge that some of you might feel like me three years ago and think, oh my goodness, chakras? Those aren't Christian. Will Jesus be mad at me if I study chakras? And I feel you. I've been there. You're like, help me, Tom Cruise. Help me, Oprah Winifrey. Get me out of this witchcraft. <laughs> when spiritual leaders three years ago pointed me toward chakras for my healing journey, toward my faith journey, I thought, oh, no, no one must ever know that I'm studying these. I must study these in private. But then... As I began to dive into them, so much peace, comfort, healing, and moments of affirmation slash synchronicities from the Holy Spirit filled my days, telling me that I was on the right path and that this was okay for me to use this tool. <laughs> it even feels funny to call it a tool because it's not a tool. It's your own being. It's how God wired you. And you can use these to feel closer to God. But we are all on our own different journeys. And when we are ready for them, 
the right tools and messages and messengers come to us. And when we are ready to heal certain wounds, that's when they speak the loudest to us. So I want to affirm you and encourage you that if your heart, mind, spirit, or soul is not served by the message of chakras, then trust that. But if you are hungry to be unblocked sexually and creatively and stand in the power of your O-face, I would encourage you to stay with me on this one and trust that God speaks through a variety of ways and tools. And honestly, I believe, and I find evidence for this every day, that God cares way less than we think about the labels that we place on things as Christian or non-Christian or secular or heretical. Anywho, back to chakras. What are they? Now, I'm far from a guru on this subject, but Dr. Katie Valentine, who is the metaphysical Christian and doctorate, has a doctorate degree in New Testament studies, is coming up on an episode next month. And I would say, bada bing, bada boom, she is an expert. So I'm not going to claim to be one. Unlike other episodes that you'll enjoy here on An Uproarious Profundity, unconventional wisdom for the spiritually attuned go-getter. On this episode, I'm only going to share on my personal experience with getting in touch with chakras and aligning them. And then I will share six practical tips for you to get the results of unblocking both sexual power and your creative power because they go hand in hand. And I did not know that before I began to study my own chakras. According to Healthline.com, chakra, sakra in Sanskrit, means wheel and refers to energy points in your body. They are thought to be spinning discs of energy that should stay open and aligned as they correspond to bundles of nerves, major organs, and areas of our energetic body that affect our emotional and physical well-being. I'm going to read that again. They are thought to be spinning disks of energy that should stay open and aligned as they correspond to bundles of nerves, major organs, and areas of our energetic body that affect our emotional and physical well-being. As I said, we bipedal humans. (laughs) Did you think you'd hear the word bipedal today? As I said, we are wired with seven seven chakras. And one of them, all of them represent different energies like stability, communication, intuition, and so forth. The second of the seven is called the sacral chakra. It sits right below the navel. I place my hand on it now as I speak on it. And it houses the energies of, any guesses, Yep, sexual and creative energy. Say what? These two are housed together. They emerge from the same place. How can it be? Yep, when this sacral chakra is imbalanced, it has the following attributes of repressed creativity, 
you're a content creator that wants to write, vlog, blog, podcast, create a course, if your sacral chakra is imbalanced, you have repressed creativity. Oh my gosh, those words together hurt me to say. You have sexual dysfunction. You have withheld intimacy. And you have emotional isolation. Oh my goodness, these words are hurting me. Ugh. When we don't stand in our power sexually, we then cannot stand in our power creatively and vice versa. Is your mind blown like mine? Is your mind blown like my mind was blown when I came across this two years ago? The deeper I delved, the deeper I dove, whichever is the correct use of that word, the deeper I dove into this, the more healing I found around these areas of my life. Not only was I loving myself and my sexuality more and more, even started showing cleavage in public sometimes, and I dressed way hotter, so my husband was really excited about that, but my creativity as a content creator and as a coach was unblocked and exploded. Exploded. We're talking doubled. I doubled the amount of money that I made from book sales and coaching when I healed these areas, when I became unblocked in my sacral chakra. It exploded and beautiful creations came from me like they do you from your gifts. This not only brought me life-giving joy, but equally as important, it, it enhanced, it enriched the lives of others because I was able to serve them better. <clears throat> so what are these, what are the main six steps that working with chakra, the sacral chakra led me to? You're like, yeah, finally, let's get to those, Meg. Tell me how to apply this to my life. I want to create more. I want to have more orgasms. I am here, friend. I am here to help you. We're going to start with a heavy step because I think that would feel, feel, I always, when someone, when someone ever ask me, do you want good news first or bad news first? I always say bad news first, you know, you know, a high note. And so we're going to start with the heaviest step first. I don't know. Maybe that's projecting that maybe this step won't be that heavy for you or hard like it was for me. In these six practical steps to unblock these that I'm going to give you, I'm going to also point you to other gurus for each step to learn more, to dive deeper, to apply this quicker and save you tons of time, energy, and misery. So if you hear a tip and you're like, Oh, that definitely applies to me, Meg. Where should I go to know more? Just keep listening. I'm going to send you to a YouTube video, a book, what have you. Because most of the time, I am a vomiting encyclopedia that is going to give you way too much content than you asked for or wanted. So do not be afraid. <laughs> you will not leave here empty-handed with next steps. Okay, on to the first practical tip. But first, uh, drink a tea. The first practical tip to unblock, become unblocked sexually and creatively is this. 
I cannot get enough to drink today. It's like I'm talking too much or something. Or it could also be, as the throat chakra deals with communication, it could also be that these are hard to talk about. And so I am feeling energy in my throat all of a sudden, which I did not, when I used to hear gurus say that, I would be like, they're ridiculous, little woo-woo. But then I started experiencing it and I was like, oh shit, my body is all connected to my mind and my soul and my heart. Darn it. Okay, first step. First step to become unblocked sexually and creatively is to take time to mourn the hurt that was caused by sexual pain in your family or to yourself. As I shared earlier, there is a lot of history in my family of sexual abuse. Not to me. My trauma would be under physical abuse category. Um, and so I also, to serve you well, I must also say that I'm not a licensed health professional. And that if you are healing, still in the healing process from sexual abuse and trauma, that I highly encourage you to seek the help of a professional, health professional, and that today I am sharing my story of, of care of, I'll just share my story. I'll stop giving disclaimers. All right. So a story to unpack this first tip of taking time to mourn the hurt that was caused by sexual pain in your family or to yourself. Oh gosh, my throat is like all of a sudden like, I'm struggling to speak. This past year, I I lost someone who was very very special to me. And that person had experienced a lot of abuse in her life. And at that same time, I picked up a new client that was writing over similar, a childhood, it was a memoir, and was writing over childhood abuse. And it was very, it was very similar situations. And every time I would go to work on this client's manuscript, I would start shaking uncontrollably. And I would be terrified to even open the Google document there's a whole episode, another episode coming from this about listening to your body, but I'll just let you pick up on those implicit lessons on your own because you're brilliant. So I, I couldn't work on it. I was, I was creatively blocked. It was almost like I was a cop that was too close to the case. Um, but there was, I had never felt fear like that before. So I was working with, I was, I was sharing this with my business coach, who thankfully is a great friend of mine that I've known for many years and also knew my family's story and knew the story of this person that I had, he had loved, he loves her as well. So it was this perfect time for me to really dive deep into this wound that I had. And that I just usually like many of you spiritually attuned go-getters, I could just push through. I could compartmentalize my feelings and get the work done. But I could not. I could not work on this manuscript without shaking uncontrollably and being afraid to death. So I'll never forget it. 
one time I was, I was experiencing this and I was at this professional development week spirit slash kind of a spiritual retreat at this monastery, this oblate center in San Antonio, which is a very special place to my grandma. She goes there all the time. And then I got to go there for work and met so many amazing people. Shout out to Laura. And it was through the Duke Leadership Foundation. Get back to the point, Meg. Okay. So I'm at this monastery. I'm trying to work on the manuscript. And again, um, it's time for a coaching call with my business coach. And I hop on with him and I tell him what I'm experiencing, this blockage. And he, he asked, trying to think how much of this to share with you to make it the most efficient use of our time. He asked me, had I, had I taken time to be sad for my family pain? around sexual abuse. And I was like, yeah, 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 sure. And then he asked me an even better question, which led me to more, to, to more healing, which was where in my body did I feel the pain when I would try to work on this person's manuscript? And I would encourage you to, to look up body graphs over where emotions show up in our body because I kept labeling my feeling as sadness and fear. But then when I shared that I was feeling it in my shoulders and my neck and my head, it was, it was an anger I was feeling. This deep anger for all children that are never protected. It was an anger that I was feeling for parents like, that weren't there to protect. And then, like a great coach does, I was suggested to go deeper into the feeling. And I felt it at a deeper level, more anger more sadness. And I wasn't afraid. It wasn't fear. It wasn't sadness. It was anger. And in so many of our upbringing, especially if we're holy rollers, we're not nice girls don't get angry, right? And the parents did the best they can in most situations. So we can't be angry at them. But all of that, those narratives, those messages, they were blocking me from feeling this. And so I was in this beautiful courtyard in San Antonio at this monastery. And for an, an hour, I, I wept. I might have even probably yelled angry tears for an hour. Like a, no joke. I, I, was, I was like, I don't think there's anything left in me. I, I don't have it. And then, and then I would cry more. And I, I, I released all of this pain. I released all of this anger. And then I found grace and understanding for all those involved.
it was an insanely spiritual moment. It helped me realize what I was feeling about certain things by tapping into my body. It helped me not to deny or repress feelings. It made me aware that in order for me to truly be sad for the sexual abuse in my family, I'd have to be mad at someone that I also loved. And I had to feel that to heal that. And we have these moments in our lives where an hour or a day does 10 years worth of healing, 30 years worth of healing, or in my case, lifetimes worth of healing. Because I feel that that moment in that courtyard of that monastery I wasn't just healing the wounds that I had for my family. It also opened me up to my own wounds with physical abuse or little t trauma throughout family situations from my past. That moment led me, prepared, got me to a place where I could receive and work on and heal other wounds too. And it was, it was, it was an hour, it was an hour coaching call that changed everything and unblocked me tremendously to not only serve that client and hear her story of resiliency and hear how God heals even our deepest of wounds. Yeah, it, it unblocked me immensely. And I got, I got her book done and supported her the best way that I could. I was less, less, I am way less triggered now around sexual abuse I have when it comes up on TV shows and books and whatnot. I, um, yeah, I, I could go on and on on the power of this, this step, which is taking time to authentically mourn the hurt that was caused by sexual pain, sexual abuse in your family or to yourself. And as I said, not a licensed health professional. That is my experience. That what I just shared was my experience with this. If you want to dive, oh, I should also add another perk of this is it helped me love my family so much more and forgive. And understand, understand the whole story, which I didn't think I could do because I was blocked in my sacral chakra. So to know more about the sacral chakra and going deeper into this, this step of taking time to mourn the hurt of past pain, I'm going to send you to YouTube to the heart alchemist, Christina Lopes. She's phenomenal. I've watched all of her videos and she, the same week I was doing this video or the, this podcast episode, she came out with one that was called 
being sexually unblocked or something with the sacral chakra. And I didn't watch it on purpose because I didn't want it to influence. I didn't want it to influence mine. I've watched all of her videos though. She's phenomenal and has healed me in so many ways. So if you want to dive deeper and she has a guided meditation on this, probably very similar to what my coach led me through. Go check out the heart alchemist, Christina Lopes. Okay. The next steps won't take as long. (laughs) As I said, the heaviest and might potentially the most important one first. Second step of six to become sexually and creatively unblocked. Sense everything. Sense everything. Let yourself feel everything with all of your senses all throughout the day. The smell of coffee, the feel of a soft robe, the smell of your child's head, the feeling when you kiss your spouse on your lips, the taste of bratwurst. (laughs) Make an intention to be mindful with all of your senses during the day. This will help you to receive the pleasure of, of orgasms by increasing how you feel and sense and receive the pleasure of everything. Like, oh, Rob Thomas singing to me on the radio, like, mm, yes, please. My ears, eargasm, receiving that pleasure. If you want to go deeper into this tip, follow Elisa Beatty, who's the author of Flow Living on Instagram. She's Flow Living. She has two books out now. It'll effing blow your mind. Take your orgasms to the next level. Okay. Stand number three. Step number three, stand in your power creatively and sexually. The feelings of sexual and creative energy are one and the same. As we've learned, they come from the same place in your body, the sacral chakra. They are good. They are beautiful, my friend. They are holy. And they are an essential part of your experience during your time on this earth. I don't know what happens after this earth, but they're definitely an essential part of your experience now in these flesh suits that we're wearing. So take time to nurture and receive through one. Taking time to nurture and receive through one of these enhances the other simultaneously. So stand in your power creatively and sexually. (laughs) That's a really broad tip, isn't it? (laughs) And from this power, from this place of power, tip number four, If you are being sexually loving with another, talk to your partner and courageously receive and share what is pleasurable to you and him, her, or them. If you want to go deeper into this, if you're like, I don't know, I don't know how to get an orgasm. I don't know what, where, like, I don't know what makes me come. I don't know what makes me feel. I don't know what, I don't know what, I don't know what puts me in the mood sexually. Read on. Elisa Vitti, Vitti, Flow Living, or Woman Code, and she talks about how if you are a vulva-bearing human, that because of the different hormone levels each week in our lives as women, as us that have ovaries, each week different things are going to feel pleasurable to us. So what makes you have an orgasm one week isn't going to make you have one the next week. It's mind-blowing. Seriously, it's amazing stuff. It'll take your sex life to a whole new level. So read read Elisa Vitti, Flow Living, get involved with her. 
um, woman code or in the flow. Flow Living is the name of her company. And then dive a little deeper into the book, Come As You Are by Emily Nakusa. I might've butchered her last name. And she talks about how we all have different brakes and different accelerators. Some of us, some of us have more sensitive brakes, like dirty laundry on the floor is a big turnoff for me. Like I'm no longer aroused when I see that. So that's a sensitive break. And um, some of us have very sensitive accelerators where sometimes the poster of the Haynes guy at Walmart in the underwear section turns us on. <laughs> so sensitive accelerator. So there's quizzes in this book that you can figure out what's my accelerator, how sensitive is my accelerator? How sensitive is my brake? And all of them are right. All of them are good. However you do sex, that's not grammatically correct. However you feel sexy, however you feel pleasure is good, holy, and right. Period. Take that, church. Boom. Okay. Coming down to the home stretch. Tip number five. Oh, this is a, you're going to be like, Meg, I don't know about this one. Tip number five to unblock yourself creatively and sexually is speak kindly to your body. Speak kindly to your body in the bath, in the shower, in the mirror, during sex, about to have sex, whatever sex looks like for you. Own your beauty. Own your attractiveness. You are beautiful or you are handsome. Don't fear being attractive or sexy dressing sexy or creating a sexy place for yourself, whether alone or with a partner. If you choose to, and if you feel safe to, speak kindly to your body. I'm really, I'm really bad about this sometimes. I, I get it from my aunt that we gain weight in our back and I've always hated it. And I, and in COVID I, I have put on some weight because we're all sitting all the fucking time, right? With virtual school and working from home. And everything's closed, so we're all gaining weight. And so I put on weight, my back is bigger. And I started really intentionally to help myself stay unblocked sexually and creatively, noticing that this back represents strong women in my family, strong women who worked on dairy farms, Strong women who birthed and nursed and raised babies. Strong women who, after broken marriages in their 40s, went back to college and became nurses. Strong women who carry heavy burdens of pain. Strong women who made the world a better place. That's all represented in my strong, giant back. So speak gently to your body, your breast, your vulva, your butt, your thighs, your belly. Thank your belly for the core that it is. If it carried babies, thank your belly. Be kind to your body for it is the reason you're able to have this human experience. And it creates beautiful things and it tells you beautiful messages. So speak kindly to your body. Now, if you listen to that tip and you're like, Meg, there's no way that I can do that. I don't think that I'm handsome. I don't think that I'm beautiful. 
I would suggest you check out Carol Tuttle and go deeper with her work, Dressing Your Truth and Energy Profiling. Dressing Your Truth with Carol Tuttle, Energy Profiling. And she will teach you how to celebrate your unique beauty. And I discovered her back in 2014, and she took my confidence to a whole new level. And I love suggesting her to clients. Tip number six to unblock creatively and sexually. Make time each week to create. Are you a writer? Are you a podcaster? Are you a blogger? Are you a course creator? Are you a painter or musician? Do you build with wood? Make time each week to create. And if you're thinking, I don't have time, or I'm not good enough, if your head right now is filling with excuses, turn them off. Like a like switch, turn them off. Like Book of Mormon. Turn them off. Turn off those excuses. Head over to YouTube and watch Life Coach Mel Robbins, How to Stop Your Brain from Screwing You Over. She talks about her life-changing five-second rule that will help you with this tip of making time each week to create. And a bonus tip, bonus tip to unblock creatively and sexually. Since both of those are housed in the sacral chakra, dance more. In your kitchen, alone in your bathroom, your bedroom, at a bar, oh wait, it's COVID, no bars open. Dance more. Turn on some Formation by Beyonce or some Weezer, Say It Ain't So, if that's what it's called. And within you, where you feel the beat that leads you to dance is your is right there usually for me it is below my navel and where my sacral chakra is and that is feeling the music and when you're as christina lopes taught me from the heart, heart alchemist taught me when you are receiving the pleasure of that music and moving freely that is the the feminine energy taking the lead i won't say any more about that because i'm not an expert like she is but for me it has been so healing to receive the pleasure of music and dance to it like that and so dance more feel the music and that bonus tip along with the six other tips will help you to become unblocked sexually and creatively now if you have so many questions or you have so many comments or thoughts I want to invite you to join me in my Facebook group, Cultivating Sanctuary. And next Wednesday night at 5.30 on our live session, we're going to have a Q&A session for all of these tips, along with the other released two episodes, the episode with my mom on having it all, episode one and ep um, the episode after this, which is Jamal Javanji, one of my good friends who talks about Mary Magdalene and goals. And we're going to have a Q&A about these first three episodes that came out today on the podcast. So join me at the Cultivating Sanctuary Facebook group. Bring your questions, bring your comments, bring your epiphanies and share. I, I want to hang with you in this live chat. I want to hear and cheer what you, what's gurgling up within you to be created. So join me there. And I cannot wait to hear how these steps help you to stand in your power Stand in the power of your O face and become unblocked sexually and creatively so that the world can receive the gift that is gurgling up within you to be created. I'll see you and I'll be with you next Thursday, friend.
Hey there, friend. Hope you found our time together as equipping and encouraging as you crush your goals as a spiritually attuned go-getter. And great news, we are just getting started. There's so much more goodness coming your way. Goodness around creativity, spirituality, self-development, self-care, productivity, marketing, writing, and of course, goal crushing. Coming your way every Thursday. Nothing bring, well, maybe cake, brings me more joy than creating spaces like the Uproarious Profundity Show. To help get its message out to those who are hungry for it, it would be so helpful if you were to leave a review over on iTunes. To show my appreciation for you, I will be giving away a mystery book of mine. One of my most favorite books of all time that dramatically changed everything on Christmas. Yep. So head on over and leave a review on iTunes, and then on Christmas Day, I will draw a name, and yours might be drawn. I'll draw a name of all the people that leave reviews. Could I explain this any more awkwardly? Probably not. But if your name is drawn, you will get this book mailed to you, this mystery book that enhanced everything for me as a spiritually attuned go-getter. I'll be sharing my results on my Instagram page, so be sure to follow me today at Meggie Lee underscore Calvin. So you can know if your name was drawn. Plus, and potentially more exciting, you will get all sorts of tips around recovering from burnout and crushing your goals. See you next Thursday, friend.